Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace. And before we get into today's episode, I wanted to tell you about our sponsor, Cincy Shirts. Look, you know Cincy Shirts. You love Cincy Shirts. They've been with FC Cincinnati from the beginning. And we're just huge fans of their work here at The Post and happy to have them on as a sponsor. If you head on over to CincyShirts.com, that's Cincy with a Y, check out using the promo code ThePostCincy. That's all one word, all caps. You will get 10% off your order and you let them know that we sent you there. They have MLS and MLSPA licensed FCC gear available online or in two retail locations in Hyde Park and Fort Mitchell. And the cool thing about the in-store locations, if they don't have your size on the shelf, they can print you one on the spot. Also, the promo code works in stores as long as you tell them. And that promo code is, again, the post Cincy with a Y, all one word, all caps, or use the link down in the description of this podcast. And thank you so much to Cincy Shirts for sponsoring this episode. And on this episode of the postcast, we are talking about that amazing FC Cincinnati Chivas match, which saw the orange and blue vanquish the Mexican Giants three to one. Brandon Vasquez with the hat trick, Lucho doing Lucho things. It was an incredible match that unfortunately had to be played over the course of two days. We talk about the different patterns of play we've expected to see in FC Cincinnati, debate how likely it is that you actually get struck by lightning, and look ahead at the tournament ahead for FC Cincinnati, and that's gonna be your postcast. Oh, and joining me to talk about all of that and more on a beautiful Sunday morning, I've got Chief and I've got Grayson. Chief, let's start with you. We don't do a lot of these in the morning. How are we feeling today? Well, you say it's in the morning. It's in the morning for you. It's very in the morning for me. I'm out <laughs> west currently. Oh, I no. thank all of you for accommodating me with this recording schedule, as crazy as it is. I'm going to see a concert later tonight at a Red Rocks. So, yeah, talk a little soccer while everyone else in this hotel is sleeping. It's going to be fun. <laughs> the sacrifices we make to make the big bucks here at the postcast. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a lie. I, the one thing I love about hotels is that no matter what time of day it is, there's always somebody awake. And especially like as soon as the, the breakfast becomes available, there is always some yes. nerd that is going to run down and be the first person to hit up the powdered eggs and the sausage straight out of a bag. <laughs> the the finest gourmet foods that our military industrial complex could generate for us it's it's always a lovely lovely treat it's like no you don't understand this slop comes free with your room it's exciting <laughs> uh grayson when you're hitting up the continental breakfast or if you're lucky enough to have three warm plates at the hotel breakfast what's your go-to what do you what are you going for first I like the I do I do like the the shitty powdered eggs. <laughs> um the They're soggy good. the soggy eggs that are made of some type of uh astronaut foam. 
or some type of yeah. insulation. Yeah, I actually do like those. I have a I have a soft spot for those. I think from like Boy Scout camp, probably. Yeah. Um, the the wet flimsy bacon, uh, another favorite of mine. Um, the the sausage that has like incredible shape integrity. The sausage patties that are somehow yeah. just one continuous piece, uh, unlike most sausages, like ground and put together. Uh, that's that's pretty good. Um, I steer clear of the cereal. Yeah, um, it's just too. I mean, you can have cereal at home if you really want it. Right, right. The cereal's good if you want like a three-year-old cereal. That's always good. No, like a cereal for three-year-olds. Like if they have like Lucky Charms there, sometimes I'll hit the Lucky Charms up just because I wasn't allowed to have it as a kid. So now as an adult, if I see Lucky Charms available, you know, I'm, I'm kind of into it. As a, as a soccer podcaster, as a soccer podcaster with, uh, <clears throat> you know, some type of clinical depression or other undiagnosed mental illness getting into my middle age, um, I can only eat Magic Spoon. <laughs> because, sitting, at home uh, your, sitting at home in your me undies crying right you have to have your you have to have your little sugar cereal but uh your doctor said you have to you know watch your watch your various intakes uh because you got some bad uh bad fluid tests so uh you need the mat you need to carry the magic they don't sell the magic spoon in single serve small little boxes <laughs> that I'm sure it's great for the environment. The real life hack at the Continental Breakfast, or this also works well if you find yourself at the airport lounge with their breakfast as well, is you. They always have a, a bread station where they've got bread, bagels, whatnot. So you toast yourself a bagel. You put the eggs, the pa egg substance, the egg foam on the bagel. And then the shitty sausage patty is just the perfect size to make yourself a breakfast sandwich. Yes. Like toss a little bit of the uh, some Tabasco sauce or some hot sauce on there. That's your go-to at a shitty hotel breakfast. Um, you will never go wrong. The bagels at the airport lounge definitely did not use the New York water. Um, <laughs> <No>. even, <laughs> even if the lounge is in New York right. or the surrounding area. Is the waffle maker ever worth it? Yes. No, it's always worth it's always worth it. It's always worth it because it's the most consistent item you'll get at the continental breakfast. It's it's waffle batter heated. It's hard to fuck that up. If you fuck that up, it's on you. The one to steer clear <laughs> of is the automatic pancake machine where you push the Ooh. button and it makes a pancake for you. Those are terrible. Um, it's always grossly disappointing when it comes out at the end. And it's just it doesn't it doesn't even taste like a microwave pancake. Something about it tastes off. And the weight as the machine makes it is only worth it for the novelty of I pushed a button and a pancake appeared. But no, the <laughs> waffle maker's fine. The only problem with the waffle maker is that inevitably there's only two of them at any continental breakfast. And there's always kids using them, like always. Two? What, what fancy ass hotel are you staying at? <laughs> Get an omelet station too? <laughs> so the thing I like about the waffle maker is anytime I can just be generally in people's way at 7 a.m., you got to take that <laughs> opportunity. Like if I could just be crowding up counter space because I'm using like a toaster oven for my English uh, muffin or making a, making a waffle, 
and people are just having to move around me because I have decided I need to stand here for five minutes for like very little material benefit to my, my person. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I just, that's, that's the type of thing that you really like to be engaged in in the morning at, at a Hampton Inn. <laughs> it's kind of like your way of participating in um, like a morning rush hour traffic. But like at the hotel, so right because I don't I don't drive to work, oh, so like right. you really get to miss out on this. my ways to <laughs> to irritate people in the morning are very limited. Oh, that's good. That in what a super complicated coffee order is probably as close as you get. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I like to I like to rush into Starbucks just ahead of somebody yes. who is just getting a black coffee, and make them stand behind me. <laughs> <laughs> while I order a very complicated drink and uh, try to use the Starbucks app to pay, but my data is not working <laughs> for some reason. And I have to like ask them, like, do I, I, do I, I just get here like this? <laughs> which which <laughs> which thing am I putting my phone to? Excuse me. Wait, do I just do I hand my phone to you? How does this work? <laughs> I... I want to murder you like, <laughs> every morning. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, well, speaking of wanting to murder somebody, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this. Chivas fans on Twitter and maybe Mexican fans more broadly, uh, not taking too well to FC Cincinnati beating Chivas three to one. In the League's Cup, the showdown, the Copas de Copas. This was number one versus, say, number two in Mexico um, with Chivas here. The Clash of Titans ended with a pantsing of Chivas at the hands of a FC Cincinnati team that looked fantastic in this one. But no, Grace, I know you, you had talked about this a little bit too. The... The whining from the Chivas fans to me tells me that this tournament is a success because Mexican fans care about this tournament. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you had people posting beforehand, uh, people that I've seen fairly prominently in like the US men's national team, Mexico, Twitter. Twitter yeah. discussions, like accounts that I recognized who revealed themselves to be Chivas fans and were posting that, you know, Chivas was going to demolish FC Cincinnati. Everybody talking all that shit about how, you know, Mexico's big teams are about to start playing and they were just going to just walk all over this competition. And they were just left. Posting screenshots and 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 tagging like pro officials, which is, you know, like this is been there. This is 2021. This is big 2021 energy. Yes. You know, miss miss me with with that, I will say. Oh, man, I, I, we'll talk about it. But like the complaints they had are like, oh, you're you're stretching pretty far. And you know what? Maybe they are calls that Chivas gets in Mexico. Maybe they do get the benefit of the doubt being the mega club that sort of has that pressure from the league to make sure that they're doing well and and whatnot. But like the handballs that they're posting, not great. Uh, really enjoyed uh, Jonah's lines 
making the rounds on Twitter, even amongst Mexican fans who would like tweet back at Chivas fans of like, you know, a Cruz Azul fan would be like, whine more. He was on side and stuff like that. It's like, oh, this is great. We we've made it. This tournament is a success. No matter what happens from here, I think people want to care about this one. And this was a good game for that. The only bad part about that, and we'll talk about it, but since the since that happened at like two thirty in the afternoon, yeah, it was not prime replying to people with lens distortion time. <laughs> yes, <you know>? yes. <laughs> like I feel like I feel a little bit robbed that I wasn't able to just like tweet lens distortion at all these people all afternoon because I was you know at work. <laughs> yeah, in general, the the FCC Twitter bite wasn't quite there thanks to the uh, the restart and the uh, and the mid afternoon timeline of the the finishes. Many people are asking whether or not the the real reason for the delay was to preserve international relations between U.S. and Mexico by not having FC Cincinnati Twitter have the <laughs> opportunity post game just to start heinously dunking on everyone. I mean, if that game doesn't get restarted, I'm feeling, you know, four or five, nothing. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was headed that way for sure. Um, Could have been that at first half. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we'll, we'll talk about it, but it was damn close to, to three nothing before we even got to the half hour mark. Um Let's see here. Uh, trying to pull my uh, my stats up. Let's run through this uh, lineup here for old FC Cincinnati. Uh, going into this one, uh, we got the sense from the Sporting Kansas City game that FCC was indeed trying, and that is exactly what happened here. Uh, so who took the field? Uh, Alec Khan in goal. Murphy, Miazga, Haglin across Alec the back. Alec Khan. Did I? I... He doesn't play enough for me to be consistent here. I apologize to the man. The announcers, the announcers didn't get it right either. Okay. <laughs> you know, between him and Evan, it's a shock you managed to get Roman's name right on a regular basis. You're just doing our goalkeeper room dirty every time we do this. I think I only refer to him as Roman just to avoid the smell of mispronouncing his name. <laughs> uh, Murphy, Miazga, Haglin across the back line. Barial out left in that wing back position with Ray Gaddis on the right side holding it down. Angulo and Wobodo in the midfield destroyer positions with Acosta right in front of them. And it was Brandon Vasquez and Aaron Bupenza up top. However, that is not what the graphic said before this game. Uh, Grayson, do we know what happened to Santos? They are saying he picked up a knock in okay. in warmups. Okay, um, I don't so he it. was replaced at the last at last minute. Stay um, woke. Are they were they doing some type of mind game by you know trotting out Chivas's uh, Chivas's boy former uh, target at the last minute? Uh, Is, maybe. His childhood was, club, yeah. Or was this a psyop on Brandon himself that <laughs> they didn't want him to be thinking about this all game? Ooh. And they decided that not telling him this was going to happen until the last minute was the best way to have him in the exact right headspace that he needed to be. And if so, bravo. 
because it, <laughs> it worked so well. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it was I think Hagland in the in the article that Carter Chapley posted to the website. I think Hagland said Brandon's not allowed to warm up with the team ever again. He's <laughs> <laughs> like a uh yeah, just a, an absolute mercenary. Just can walk off the walk off the bench right into the game, and it was indeed two minutes into the game before we retreated to a Brandon Vasquez goal. Uh, Chief and I uh, were standing next to each other in the Bailey uh, for this one, and Chief, I think we had barely even saw each other by the time that this ball had gone into the back of the net. No, I was I was coming in hot from a previous engagement, so I just walked in to the Bailey, and I had just I'd located you. I walked up to stand. I turned around to face the field, and all of a sudden, I see Vasquez winding up because <laughs> <laughs> you don't expect him to take that shot. That's not no. his game. His game is in that position, laying it off and then going to make a run to get closer. I think he caught everyone by surprise by, you know, shooting from that far out. And if that's the result, do that shit every game. I didn't yes. know he had that kind of a outside touch, bend, ability to snap off a shot with just a little bit of space like that. That was unbelievable. That's got to be the best goal he's ever scored. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I've ever seen him. So he's I've seen he's taken some long shots and scored some long shots, but they're usually on like a breakaway. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure I've ever seen him score with, you know, guys in the box where they're they're, you know, just moving the ball around the outside of the box and he finds that little bit of space and curls it in. I mean, we've seen that type of thing from like Barrial and Lucho and a little bit from Kubo, but um, yeah, I mean, if Brandon is going to, if that's something Brandon does now, uh, <laughs> I am, I am for it. <laughs> it's like the, uh, the Star Wars, they can fly now. They can fly now. That is, that's Brandon. They've always been able to fly. They've they always have, been able to. They have. Oh, <laughs> that movie is so bad. But I like the idea of it in this goal. Uh, now, what is particularly great about this is he curls this around and kind of threads four Chivas defenders. He's got a guy to his right and three in front of him. And he, he just slots it right around. It's so perfectly placed. Um, not for nothing. Aaron Bupenza on the assist there. So a goal contribution from the new DP. Um, <clears throat> it was just, I, I don't know what Chivas is doing here. Do they just not respect FC Cincinnati and they weren't thinking to challenge? Did they just switch off? Did they think these guys always just try to work the ball into the box? We don't have to try until it's in the 18. Very weird decisions from them. I mean, I guess if you're, if you're scouting FC Cincinnati, you don't expect Brandon Vasquez to take that shot. And he hasn't shown the ability to do that before. So, I mean, I'm not going to blame Chivas too much in this space. Yeah. What I am going to say, though, is that by punching in the, them in the mouth directly like that, everything that happens in this game changes from this point forward. And yeah. um, it stunned them. Like it absolutely stunned them and it, it, they didn't recover, I don't think, from this moment. 
Yeah. yeah, they never really get they never really get into the game. That uh, <clears throat> essentially becomes the story then of the next goal, which happens just six minutes later. Uh, Brandon Vasquez again. This time it is it's an interesting play. So it's uh, Ian Murphy is trying to ping a ball to Barrial. He hits it very, very hard. Uh, it is intercepted briefly by a Chivas player. I should say deflected yeah. by a Chivas player. Ball spills out into the midfield. Angulo steps up, gets it to uh, Acosta. Acosta leads the counterattack, and it is just so fast. The Chivas backline is just running backwards the entire time. Uh, Lucha gets the ball over to Barrial. Barrial crosses it to a Brandon Vasquez who does just the most clever 2022 Brandon Vasquez thing ever where he is making a run. The center back is with him every step of the way and he stops. And with that stop, the center back kept going. He buys himself a couple feet of space, pings the ball into the back of the net. That is exactly what we saw of him last year. We've not seen a whole lot of it this year. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Brandon Vasquez looks renewed. We're 10 minutes into this one up to nothing. Well, you, you talked about the first goal being something that Chivas maybe had not seen, you know, FC Cincinnati do or they wouldn't expect from Brandon Vasquez. But yeah, this was his bout of a classic <laughs> FC Cincinnati goal yes. as you can get. Right. I mean, they, <laughs> right. they get the ball in the midfield. Lucho finds Barrial. Barrial gets into the box and Barrial finds you know, Vasquez, who has made himself some space. I mean, we saw this against Kansas City. We've seen it. We've seen it a million last times. Year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and we, we see it later in the game. Yeah. Uh, what I love about this one in this happens a lot with FCC goals in this sort of genre of goal is that if Vasquez isn't there or just for whatever reason makes a wildly different decision to not run or, or run to Barrial or something, Acosta is right behind Vasquez as well. So like if anything goes wrong, the plan B is already there. They both know exactly where that ball is going to be. And my God, <laughs> it's just the euphoria. <laughs> what's, what's really funny about this goal is that you say Acosta is right behind Vasquez. It was almost like they had two sets of people running the same play. It's almost like in football where you'll see a wide receiver get confused about who's running what route. And it's two people right. in the same spot. You had um, Barial and Bapenza almost collide with one another. Looking yes, to play this yes. ball, both making the exact same run. And you had Vasquez with Lucho in his hip pocket making the exact same run on goal. There was so much, the, there was a greater opportunity from disaster from two of these guys hitting one another and not being able to either make the pass or make the connection for the goal. That was the bigger risk than a Chivas player actually stopping this. <laughs> I don't know what it says about Chivas that we are essentially doubling the play there and they still still weren't able to cause enough chaos to uh to to disrupt the play there. Um Grayson, how are you feeling? Up two to nothing within ten minutes against Chivas. It's, what was the vibes in the first financial club? <laughs> uh pretty good. This yeah. is uh this was this was one where I was I was ready for us to Pile it on some more. Yeah. Uh, I was not, I don't think I had a single concern that, that we were going to give this lead up. Um, 
which was it was a very freeing feeling to feel like they were up 2-0 they were dominating and they were likely to continue dominating despite it being you know very early in the game yeah is yeah. this the is this we you said it you kind of mentioned it but like I do want to talk about this is this the quintessential Cincinnati play like if Philly had Philly Philly in the Super Bowl is this the Cincinnati play where it's uh Barial makes the through run uh times is run perfectly you have a ball threaded through then he pulls it back to Vasquez who is streaking in for the tap in that's that's our go-to play right here it always seems to start with Barial on the wing and just creating a little bit of space off a run and a perfectly weighted ball that's just waiting for him to ping it across for a goal. It's it's so I mean, beautiful to watch. I'd, I'd even step it back a little bit, and it, it is the quintessential Cincinnati play, which is Waboto or Angulo or Moreno winning the ball in the midfield, immediately finding Acosta who finds Barrial, and that is that's the play. And then the the inch perfect cross to a a streaking striker or lucho there yeah it's it's perfect and it feels like we should be able to pull that off once a game and they damn well do just about so yeah it feels really good uh what i particularly liked about going up obviously the the winning part is really nice but that crowd was at least 60-40 Chivas. And an early big lead like this takes them right out of it. Like, I thought for sure we were going to get a lot more cheering and chanting from Chivas fans and the potential for the chant showing up and whatnot. So really sidelined what could have been a sort of mixed home field advantage. I don't I don't know. What was your impression of the crowd? I thought the crowd was I thought the crowd was good. I mean, <clears throat> you could definitely tell there was a big presence of of Chivas fans. Um, there were Chivas fans in the first financial club, but it was still f- far and away um, FC Cincinnati, an FC Cincinnati crowd in the in the first financial club. Um, they had a they had a couple of sections up in the corner. Yeah, um, they were definitely making themselves uh, present. I mean, it was kind of like what I, what you want to see yeah. from these games, where FC Cincinnati fans were loud and active, but Chivas fans were also loud and active. Yeah, and it makes for like a fun, different kind of atmosphere. Um, and it's a shame that not every team has been able to get crowds like that for this tournament. Yeah. yeah, can we talk about this for a second since this is a good natural spot for it? Number one, I loved the Chivas fans with the big-ass banner in the corner. It just felt yeah. like something you see overseas, which is really, really cool. But why did other teams not give these tickets away as part of their season ticket packages? Like, FC Cincinnati, it's been great crowds for both of these games, but then you flip on the League's Cup elsewhere and – the environments suck in a lot of these games. I, I just, I don't understand it. And, you know, I understand not every brand is Chivas, which probably helps a little bit in terms of the traveling fan base. But fuck, man, having all those fans there, this is the dream of this tournament. And it seems like it's not happening everywhere for whatever reason. I don't understand why 
I don't know. I'm, I've been trying to understand this because if that is what this looks like, this should be a huge success for MLS. Yeah. Yeah. And Chief, we actually were able to talk to a Chivas fan who had sort of the quintessential story of what we were hoping I should say what MLS executives were hoping from this tournament, which is uh, this guy is from or is living in Indianapolis. He he moved uh, to the United States from Mexico when he was 15. He looked to be in about his 40s and he had never seen Chivas play in person in his whole life. And that was like his family's team. That was his he said his father-in-law's team. Um, and he became a fan of that team, but he'd never seen them in person. He drove down from Indianapolis to see this team and he was blown away by FC Cincinnati. And he said he wants to come back to FC Cincinnati games. And it's like, yeah, this is like the blueprint of what MLS was was trying to achieve with with this tournament and this guy was living that ideal for them. So uh, I will be interested to see if that does have a trickle, a trickle down effect on this, this league going forward. I did think it was interesting too, how he was very worried about being stabbed for wearing the wrong (laughs) clothing. And he made a point of saying that like specifically said the word stabbed. And I was like, Oh, if only you knew what podcaster you were talking to. This is the Uncle Stabby or whatever. <laughs> we, we, have, we have brought this concern to, to the forefront here. Um, yeah, he was concerned about that. And then um, he said everybody was super nice. So way to go, everybody. We we defied expectations here. Uh, what was not nice, though. Oh, I should. I, I want to back up. I was going to go to the red card, but uh, we we got to point this out. Uh, Lucho, in about the 33rd minute, has an incredible opportunity in front of goal. Uh, takes down a uh, fairly hard pass from Brandon Vasquez right into the middle of the box and has a lot of time to sort of play around with the ball before firing a shot ultimately directly into the chest of the Chivas goalkeeper. The ball spills out to uh, Wobodo, who has an incredible shot, Uh, not unlike Brandon's shot, but on the ground, uh, curling towards that back corner, and a fingertip save saves this one from going three to nothing at the half hour mark. It was a well done to to the goalkeeper there on that play. But, um, man, if you weren't feeling like FCC was going to roll this team before, that that was just another pepping your step in the confidence level here. Yeah. The, uh, the touch Lucho has to bring this ball down, that's one where you look at it. It's like, oh, yeah, this is why he was minutes away from signing with PSG. That's a, that's a type of bring down that you only see happen over in – Europe. You don't see that in MLS on a regular basis. It was just uh, an incredible play there. And we get to <laughs> and we finally make our way to uh, to halftime. Sorry. Well, no, oh we got to talk Back about. Up. Yeah, please. We, <clears throat> you talk I'm, about way the, I'm way off. Yeah, the, the red card first. Yes. Let's talk about this. So 45 minutes we are uh, we're right about at halftime. Aaron Bupenza charging at the back line. It is a classic counterattack. Everything is going FC Cincinnati's way. The last man-ish uh, decides to, to take the professional foul. Unfortunately, he, he was deemed to be the last man. He does not make an attempt on the ball, though. 
He sort of bear hugs, rugby tackles, bupenza to the ground. Uh, he knows he's going to get a card. He gets a yellow card. It looked a little iffy to me. You could argue there was another defender sort of running parallel to them. But upon further review, he was indeed the last man between Bupenza and the goalkeeper. The yellow card is rescinded. The red card is issued. And my God, <laughs> you think up a man, up two goals. What what could the second half <laughs> not not bring well, us but joy? <clears throat> well, credit credit to Bupenza for yeah. bringing the ball down and beating the defender there. Yes, um, and giving him no choice but to foul him. Oh, because he races him. He yeah. was clear. He was clear in on goal there, and I do think that based on how it's been called this year and explained to us that was that was a that was a dog so yeah yeah like i think that was i think that was the last man based on based on how it's been called this year at least in mls i don't know how they call it in liga mx but you know bupenza was asking for the red i was in the stands asking for the red you know playing doing my part <laughs> No, there's been a concerted effort among the officiating this year to try and get this out of the game, where if there's any question on a breakaway, they're defaulting to red, whereas in the past they would say, well, this person might have been a in a cover position. You're not going to get away this year with the professional foul on a guy that's 1v1 with the keeper ahead of you. If you're parallel or there's any question, that's being resolved now in favor of the attacker, which good. It should mm -hmm. be. It should be because you are – it's – regardless of whether or not you want to say it was a high percentage chance Papenza was going to have, I don't give a fuck. We award PKs in the box when guys back are for goal with the ball. If that is a PK when someone gets fouled in the box, they're back to goal, then yeah. If someone has a straight line into the keeper for any reason, it doesn't matter if you foul someone in that position – I agree the interpretation should be strict with that, and it has been. I don't see any controversy in this decision whatsoever based on how this rule has been enforced for the last six months or so. And, like, it wasn't, like I, you know, it's not like a violent foul. No. But it's also not, it's not a soccer play. It's, right. It's, it's not a play on the ball in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. You know, he... He reaches, he reaches with his hands, grabs him around his body and just yanks him back. Yeah. Jumps right? down. Like, <laughs> yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to do that in that situation, you deserve to be out of the game. Right. Like you. If he had stepped in front of him in an attempt to kick the ball away and, you know, tied up Bupenza's feet and falls down. I don't know if he gets a red. I think they're a little more charitable with the last man sort of situation there but you're right it, it's so egregious that it it has to be punished and it absolutely was so um so yeah so that that is the last moment before halftime the only other thing i was gonna say is i think a uh and this is what i was confusing um an assistant coach or maybe a bench player confronted uh the referees at halftime and and got themselves a card um i'm not seeing that in the official rundown which is what was throwing me off here um uh, but that was that was good. If you were wondering again if these teams are going to take this tournament seriously, I think getting a card yelling at an official is a good indication that you you do in fact care. They did um 
they did show a red to the bench. Is that what yes. it was? Okay, okay. I don't I don't know who got it. I think I saw somebody say a substitute got it. I Yeah. I never I never tracked like that you- down. The only people that were around the ref when he threw the red card out after the half were people that were wearing the training pennies. So I assume it was somebody that wasn't active in the match or a a manager or coach or anything like that. Um, So that makes sense to me. Before we move on from the first half, I want to talk about something that just happened throughout the first half that Kevin and I noticed. And it took us (laughs) a minute or two to figure out what was going on. (laughs) And that was the decision to play music at every goal kick opportunity mm-hmm. in this game. And at first we were we were in the Bailey next to each other talking about, well, if Chivas is the home team, is this something they do in their home stadium where we're required to, you know, emulate what their home environment is? And then it like sort of hit Kevin first. And I was mad that I hadn't thought of it earlier. Oh, they're just trying to stop that Mexican homophobic chant on the goal kicks from being picked up on the broadcast and their best idea was just to play music loudly to drown it out every time they would have an opportunity, which bravo to TQL stadium, honestly, um, or whoever has come up with this idea. I haven't watched, I haven't heard it on any of the other leagues cup games, but to be fair, I haven't been paying as much attention to the audio on some of these games as I have been watching them. But if this is, if this is a solution to stop this, that, hey, you can say whatever the hell you want. It ain't getting on the broadcast, assholes. Um, I love it. I'm here for it. I think it should be adopted internationally at matches, if that's the case. Yeah, if it's going to continue to be an issue. Uh, the only instance I saw was somebody posted on uh, the MLS subreddit. Uh, very, very faintly, you could hear it at the Austin Juarez match. But it wasn't clear if it was like Austin fans saying it to the Juarez goalkeeper or potentially Juarez fans like mocking their own goalkeeper or something. It was very weird. It wasn't it wasn't super obvious as to what was happening there, but you could very faintly hear it there. Um, so, yeah, that was it was an interesting decision. I will say generally, though, in Mexican soccer, they're more likely to play music during games. I've definitely heard that, but I don't know if it's been a uh, I, I haven't paid enough attention to to correlate that with goal kicks exactly. So who knows? Um, I know it was 100 percent. Oh, OK. When Alec can <laughs> was kicking the ball. Oh, yes. In this yeah. game. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant the other times I've heard the music like uh, there was a uh, Tijuana game, the Cholos game where um, it was like a Star Wars night and they just kept playing like Star Wars music during the game. Very weird. Uh, Which I'm in favor up. of. I think that'd be incredible. Like, yeah. They had a whole pre-match celebration thing with like a lot of stormtroopers and stuff. It's a bizarre video. You should go this, check that out. This goes along with a take that I've had for a couple of months now that when teams play exhibition friendlies, there should be some sort of a, a banana ball rule that goes into some of these games. Yes. Like just or or that just soccer in general needs a version of banana ball and a team like Savannah Bananas that goes around playing with all sorts of stupid shit where like there's music playing during the game. And, you know, if a fan, the fan can do the throw in where if the ball goes into the crowd, the fan throws the ball back in like shit like that. That would be good. You know what? 
Chief, you're going to love and hate this at the same time. The perfect team for this, the New York Cosmos. Absolutely true. <laughs> no, I will lo- no, it's a love love. I will love okay. it because all of the hardos that like view the New York Cosmos as being hard done and this poster child for the pro rel movement, if they just go in and like go full on shit heel clown Harlem yeah. Globetrotter nonsense playing with shitty rules and music, that would make me incredibly happy. Oh, especially if you did like like the uh, the Savannah Bahana, uh, Bananas do, which is the um, there'd be like a, a an old retired MLB legend in the crowd and stuff that they'll just like add to the roster. It'd be really funny to just bring back an old NASL player randomly for games. There's just like a 50, 60 year old man running around out there. Oh, good stuff. Or they have some sort uh, well, of a joke where in the middle of the game, they promote some other team up and relegate the team that's playing. So, and just make a mockery of pro rel. This would be incredible. This is good offseason content. We got to come up with banana ball for soccer and figure out like, well, we, maybe we'll crowdsource the rules in the discord or something like that and come out with a comprehensive way that this can happen. Might even get us to write an article for a change. <laughs> let's let's not let's not go that far. Um, so the first half comes and goes. Uh, another point on this, Chief. This was your point, but I don't want it to be uh, overlooked. Uh, best single first half of a uh, of an FC Cincinnati game ever. I think. Yeah, I think the combination of how good they played or how well they played. Um, and the level of competition they were doing it to is this is this the best team FC Cincinnati has ever played? Probably. Um, they played. I guess the question is, what about like LAFC last year? But LAFC last year when they played, they were not in their final form, so to speak. No. Because it was early in the season, so there was no Chiellini, no Bale, you know, none of their none of their midseason additions were. I think oh no, uh, no Bupen, no, uh, uh, Bawanga. Um, right. I'll they, hear arguments for Philly, maybe when they beat yeah. Philly three to one. I mean, this beating Philly three to one last year is the only is the only game that I think even belongs in this in the conversation. I just think from a from a. From a talent perspective, it's hard to say that any team in MLS, player for player, roster for roster, is going to be better than the best team in Liga MX. And this Chivas team is, if not the best, one of the best in Liga MX. This isn't a slight on MLS. It's just that the roster rules make it so that it's very hard for a team to build a roster that is competitive top to bottom in terms of raw talent. Uh, with a Mexican team roster. I don't know. I think that it's in the conversation. Yeah, I mean, this is hard. certainly on the Mount Rushmore. Like this is, it's, it's, this is, it's hard to say, but it, this, and this is not like a, um, you know, perfect comparison by any means, but, you know, just by transfer market value, Chivas, their roster, their squad is a $70 million um a squad value on transfer market um you're getting close to like a good Eredivisie like one of the top Eredivisie teams with that number um you had players played in that game yesterday who have 
um, Chivas has one, two, three, four, five, six players with transfer market value higher than five million euros. Um, they have they have fourteen, fifteen more more players beyond those that have at least a million dollars of market value and transfer market. Um, that's a lot. Yep. It's a lot of pretty good players and most of them played in the, in the game this weekend. Um, Chivas brought a seven and a half million Euro player off the bench. Uh, <laughs> and that's, you know, it's like basically like Brandon Vasquez or like Aaron Bupenza value. I mean, these are, and we, we have fewer of these guys. So yeah, I mean, and like I said, like these are just, it's hard to find a perfect comparison, you know, and I, I don't, I don't like too much trying to find like a perfect comparison between leagues because, you know, 538 tries to do it and they do a terrible job of it. And you end up with, you know, rail monarchs ranked above rail Salt Lake. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. this this uh, or Philly to put last that year. Into perspective here: the two starting center backs combined transfer market value nine and a half million euros. So that is just a roster that you literally cannot build in MLS. So pretty pretty impressive stuff, right? Our our starting uh, our starting center back trio was probably like under under three million <laughs> combined no like yeah the the trio was three four <laughs> like four like yeah four million combined so, between Miazga, Hagland and, and Murphy. And, and like and, these Yeah. Obviously, you know, I don't want people getting mad. We're taking all of these values right. with a with a grain of salt, but um it is a it is a data point. Yeah. And Chivas had about twice as many players who are worth more than a million dollars on transfer market as we do. Yeah. And I know transfer market gets plenty of grief, but rightfully doing, in a lot of cases. Yeah. I, I think so. It's also it's hard because they can put a player's value out there, but when it comes to transfer negotiations and how the market is doing and how teams are holding on to guys or valuing guys, it, it gets radically different. It's like an appraiser coming to your house telling you that the house you bought isn't worth what you just paid for. It's like, well, no, it is. I agreed to this price. Thanks. And taking uh, <laughs> and taking people's you know contract situations into account right. and how that affects right. value is always difficult. You know, younger players are tough, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But like. Just to it's add a, more perspective, yeah. you know, Yerson Mascara didn't get off the bench this match. Right. Once you start using once you start using transfer market values, you're only one step away from looking player ratings up on FIFA. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'm I'm which I'm not opposed to either, but I'm just Right. The the the, the overall point is is that Chivas is a really good team. And it's like we talked about in our League's Cup preview episode. They're really good in a way that you can't have an MLS because they don't have to have a guy making league minimum 
playing regular minutes. They don't have to have a super draft pick on their roster straight out of college. They can just go buy a better player at any time they want a better player. If they find a center back situation, their center back situation to be lacking, they can go spend more money. They don't have to trade with Atlas or with Cruz Azul to get more you know, Mexican am or Mexicam or whatever the fuck they would call it down there. They're Don Garber fun dinero. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, just for perspective, they have Daniel Rios on what we would consider like a supplemental roster spot uh, for them. And he was a starting striker for both Charlotte and Nashville recently. And he's like making up numbers in training for them. So um, another another data point for you there. Uh, the second half gets underway. And well, I do want to mention. Oh, no, no actually, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, was I, I got a say, spot for this later. OK, I was just going to say to me, the storyline of this. I don't know this this brief moment in time between the the 46th minute and the 60th minute is just wondering and worrying when the weather delay is coming because we could all see the storms rolling in everybody knew that there was going to be some weather activity going into this one and and boy I, was there weather activity <laughs> <laughs> i i think uh all said and done 1600 lightning strikes from the time they paused the game till the uh to to the time they called the game i believe multiples uh, of that actually yeah like it was it was in a uh, it was an insane lightning storm and I'm not a meteorologist, although it does feel like everybody around the team likes to be one. Um, I watched the storm come in and then it just didn't move. I've never seen that before. It just sat on top of Cincinnati, uh, not even raining that hard for a large portion of that. Just lightning, just a lot of lightning around Cincinnati. I don't know what we did as a city to deserve that, but uh Thor was angry with us on that day, and this game hits not the delay. Burnt offering to, not enough burnt <laughs> offerings to Zeus, apparently. <laughs> you know, the traditional offering is a burnt goat, which I think in this case is Chivas. So I thought we had done a pretty good job of sacrificing a goat to the gods, and it just didn't pan out for us. Um yeah, I don't know how much we want to talk about the delay, but once again, the uh, the Bailey situation, suboptimal. I got to be in it this time. Uh, Chief, you had the great idea to immediately leave the concourse, which was the correct move there. And I did see them finally with a bullhorn sort of directing people away from behind the Bailey. So that was smart. But I'm looking at the underneath of the Bailey again with a whole lot of nothing except for maybe pallets and pallets of our season ticket holder gifts interesting and a lot of foam swords a lot of foam swords <laughs> um feel like he could have put people there i don't know <laughs> it felt safe for them the concourse it was um, uh yeah. it was again a suboptimal situation i i'm getting really sick of being evacuated from the bailey i'm wondering if uh there's some sort of a government conspiracy what was the um what was the thing that they said that they built that could control the weather that all the conspiracy theorists, the harp project or whatever it is. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm wondering if FC Cincinnati has access to the harp project because uh, 
they are attempting to force me to leave the Bailey. And if they keep raining and delaying these games, they'll get me to upgrade my tickets for more money. Uh, it This sucks. Although there were some benefits to it. We were down with uh, with Kira, who's been providing lovely match recaps uh, for yes. our games on the postcincy.com. So that was that was a lovely opportunity to catch up with her and thank her for being quite literally the only thing keeping the post Cincy from being a dead website. <laughs> we did uh, we did at one point also, I'll say for the record, we did see uh, Tommy G walking underneath the concourse. We gave a shout out to Tommy G and then Kevin on a dare yelled down to Tommy G. I loved you on the postcast and got a, you know, a wave for that. <laughs> Not I loved uh, you on my podcast or our podcast. No, I loved you on the postcast. Dis <laughs> uh, disassociating himself as being a member of the people that he was of the show he's referring to. It's it's just guerrilla marketing to the twenty other people that could hear me yell that. So that was good. There you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Whatever. Whatever helps uh, you sleep at night. <laughs> look i'm not above a little a little self-promotion here okay um, like that's not yeah. viral marketing that's like bacterial marketing it's a slow right. it's a slow infection <laughs> i've always described the post as a slow infection so that, that works out for us um yeah, and then this game, the the I I shouldn't say the game, the delay drags out and drags out and drags out to the point where I think it is officially called somewhere around 1.30 in the morning on Friday. The I don't know, a little annoyed that they just couldn't come to the decision to to kill it. I feel like there should be a sort of minimum restart time. Like once we eclipse three hours of pause, we go ahead and move it to the next day or something like that, or, or two hours of, of pause, because I mean, I have to imagine if you were a player and you were playing in this game and then you're asked to cool down and then warm up and then maybe you have a false start there like that. I don't know. Feels like it should be in the CBA somewhere, even um, suboptimal conditions there. I what, what I want to know about the delays is why there. So in the, in the first financial club, there's a lot of TVs and during yeah. halftime, they have like a clock on some of the TVs. You can tell like how many minutes are left in halftime before uh, you got to be back out there. Yeah. And um, it feels like that there would be a way to deliver more information and we can't see the weather. So everyone's trying to get on their phones. People are having different uh, levels of luck with the Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. But there is like a very mechanical formula as i understand it every it's a 30 minute delay because of lightning and every yep. new strike in the in the area resets the clock yeah why can't we just have a clock that is reset you know each every lightning. each each new each new lightning strike so we yeah. can say like oh this is not this is not happening until minimum x x date because yeah. there's just a lot. Of, and they did bring out the band that was going to play post game and play some music for people. And that was fun. And it was like a they were I think that the, the musicians were originally from Chile. So they were playing some Latin Spanish music and uh, the you know folks were having a good time. 
but a lot of people who weren't you know dancing or trying to <laughs> wrangle their wrangle their kids were you could see, just see a lot of people complaining about like you know what's going on so everyone's walking around trying to listen to yeah. uh the security people talking to each other through the walkie-talkies and <laughs> it's in just getting fed information that way yeah, I I've been to Reds games where they've done uh, rain delays uh, and stuff, and they put like the weather radar up on the TVs, like they let you know like what's going on. Um, yeah, and the the FCC one's even more forma, formulaic. It's a thirty minute timer from the last lightning strike within an eight mile radius, so like, you can draw the circle and and figure out exactly where the lightning is going to be. Um, yeah, I would have loved like a. a even if it has to restart in this case, whatever it was like 16,000 times or whatever, um, like a running clock, uh, even a confidence level or some level of communication, because yeah, as we talked about, we met a fan that drove in from Indianapolis. I wouldn't be surprised if there were Chivas fans in from all over Kentucky and Columbus and, and wherever else. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a weeknight. People brought kids like people are making some pretty big decisions as to how long they want to stay. And you don't want to be the fan who walks out and like two minutes later, they announce they're restarting in 30 minutes and now you can't get back in or whatever. So it, it would be an incredibly so, simple. It would be an incredibly simple thing to have a lightning timer up on the screen yeah. that the earliest possible or a, a number earliest possible match restart time. And that keeps ticking up as they get more yeah. lightning strikes. Yeah. Um. The other thing I want to point out is this, and I understand that, you know, my profession is probably the reason for why we have these policies. <laughs> but having said that, how many, how many lightning strikes do you say there were in this storm? I, some version of 16,000. Yeah. Thousands. Yeah. All right. How many people got struck by any of those 16,000 lightning strikes in the tri-state area? Do we hear any news stories of anyone being struck by lightning? <laughs> Oh, this is where we're going here now, huh? <laughs> yeah, we're going here. We're going here. This is an overblown concern. You are more likely to be injured slipping walking down the wet stairs than you are being struck by fucking lightning. It is an incredibly... This is... If you are worried about being struck by lightning, I'm sorry, you should wrap yourself in a pillow and never leave your fucking house. It is so incredibly rare. We had all these storms blow through. Nobody got struck by fucking lightning, okay? Like, I have heard, and this is just third hand through people who knows people, that the Chivas players were incredibly confused as to why this match was being stopped because they play through this weather all the time in Mexico. <laughs> and I don't hear about Mexican soccer players dropping dead from lightning strikes either. So, <laughs> I did not I know did that. that's a hot, if that's a hot take, I'll, I'll earn every minute of it. Play the fucking game. I did. I did have that moment when I was walking back to my car at whatever it was, like one forty-five in the morning. Lightning strikes all around the city. Thinking, am I safer? Am I safer being asked to walk through the city late at night with lightning strikes going off than just sitting in the stands? I don't know. Well, so what? What? I, and I know that I know this is something that couldn't be helped. But what I couldn't stop thinking about was how I was originally somewhat annoyed that this was an eight o'clock Thursday night game mm -hmm. and not a seven thirty Thursday night game. Yeah. And if it is a seven thirty Thursday night game, <laughs> we are in the eighty ninth, ninetieth minute 
yeah. of this game when it gets when it gets uh, uh, delayed. And I, I mean, do you just call it at that point? Is the game over? Do you just Especially, play it out and you just like cross your fingers and like, oh, we didn't see it yet. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So there's a mysterious one minute of added time and there were three goals in the second half. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, look, if the game is exactly, you know, you can't do this, but assuming every other moment of this game stays exactly the same and it's three to one in the 90th minute. Yeah, I think they call it and there's just no chance of Chivas to come back nah, four think- goals. I think what they do is this would get more people to download the FC Cincinnati app is on the FC Cincinnati app. There's a push notification and every fan can vote as to whether or not they accept the risk of this game continuing. (laughs) (laughs) And if more than 75% of the fans hit the yes button, we power through. And I think, you you know what? Let the majority rule. If if, fuck, well, yeah, six, 75%. That's even better than issue one. That's great. Yeah. You know, we're we're amending the lightning delay at 75%. Fine. Good. Play the game. I'm okay. <laughs> oh god. So, yeah, we we survived. I uh I agree. Chief, I think this was your take. Uh since the shirts need say I survived the Chivas lightning delay t-shirt. I think that would have been that would have been a good one to have up real quick. Uh but yeah. TQL Stadium late night crew cuz Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I painted some TIFOs at TQL Stadium. One thirty is still the record for that's the latest I've ever been inside that building. It's pretty good. Um, so yeah, the match is annoyingly for our betters and gamblers out there abandoned at uh, this point, which means all of your bets are null and void. Your money returned to you, even though it was technically a suspension uh, but yeah. they announced using the word abandon and so that that got all of the bets to be wiped clear stay woke i don't know how much money was on chief us to help clean things up here but um they uh yeah they they get to reset the books they reset the game I say reset the game they resume the game at two o'clock on friday and genuinely this was hilarious it was the very first play of the restart. They restart from a throw-in. Uh, it is a very long throw-in. That was a very impressive throw-in. Uh, finds the uh, the Chivas player there sandwiched perfectly between Miazga and Haglin. I don't think our defense could have played this any better. The ball lands perfectly on the top of his head, redirects it back into goal. Uh, can... Doesn't put his arms up. I think he radically misjudged where this ball was going. And Chivas is uh, on the board. It's two to one. And I don't know. I got a little nervous. I don't know how you guys felt. That's like, oh, man. I got a lot nervous. (laughs) First off, this game restarts. And immediately I had like that like twitch in the corner of my eye. uh, That was a, a memory of being back during COVID yes. where you were watching games with absolutely no one in the stadium and you can hear everyone shouting and doing their directions and whatnot. And that's a dark place. I don't like going back to when I wasn't allowed to attend sporting <laughs> events. I don't know that I'm ever going to be over macho grande in that respect, but um, <laughs> yeah, vi- vibes were off immediately. And uh, I'm not going to fault uh Ali Khan on that one at all, just because no one's expecting that. 
the long throw on the first play. You're in an empty stadium. Everything feels off. It's just, it just I, sucks. I actually do think they were expecting the long throw because I think, I think Pat Noonan said after the game that one of the things they had talked about was that Chivas has a number of long throwers in their team and to, well, yeah. and to expect I mean, that. It's a difference between expecting the long throw and expecting the letter, per, the inch perfect long throw that gets nudged backwards over his head. Like the guy, uh, the guy that scores the goal is facing away from goal when he heads the ball backwards. Um, it just catches everybody by surprise. It's the first playoff, a restart, empty stadium. I'm, I'm not, it was well defended. I'm not blaming anyone for that goal. It just sucked and it made the next, like, what? 10 minutes or so really annoying <laughs> yeah. to watch. Um, I thought, I thought Cam, by the way, was quite good this game. He was. Yes. Um, he really I, was. Admittedly, I'm not, I don't have a great metric for, you know, judging goalkeeper play, but he felt very authoritative yes. in the box. And he was punching the ball way out. Hard. Right? Like he didn't, he did yeah. not spill anything. As I recall, yeah. it's a piece of Roman's game that I you don't realize is missing until you see Can doing it, which is don't remember Roman running out and punching the ball with that much force and authority very often. He he does a decent job of claiming crosses, but Can I trust in the sort of aerial threat a little bit more uh, based on this. And for what it's worth. Can is undefeated this year <laughs> through all of yeah. these cup competitions. So um doesn't help or it doesn't hurt that he he looks really good in all of this. And uh I he, he has yet to do something that has made me think he would not be a starter on another team. Um so oh, I think I, absolutely he's been playing really well. And I hope yeah. his I hope this keeps up and he's going into that semifinal feeling very confident and fresh. Yeah, there are a number of teams in there are a number of teams in this league that would benefit from trading right now during this window. They would be an, he would be an upgrade for a number of teams that we've watched come through and play against FC Cincinnati. <laughs> Tyler Miller might be one that could use could use a uh, a competent starter in front of him. Um, that that is uh, Jonah's favorite goalkeeper. <laughs> always always posting his uh, his lowlights there. Well, they only have uh, until like Wednesday. Yeah, we gotta move quick if, if something's gonna happen. Tuesday or Wednesday to uh, to do something, and I don't see us moving him. Yeah. No, so. God, no. I I don't want to move him. I'm just saying that oh, they, absolutely. when right. he was available, there were some teams that made a mistake not jumping on that. Yeah. 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 Um, and then 73rd minute, Brandon Vasquez completes the hat trick. Uh, he had another shot uh, before this that was very close. He went just wide of the, uh, of the goalposts. But no, he uh, uh, gets back. Into his uh, into his form on this one, you can thank one Yuya Kubo for uh, filling in for the uh, Aaron Bupenza role. Um, although in this play, he is taking Lucho's job here, uh, running at the defense, finds Barial on the left, who then crosses Lu it back into Vesquez. Lucho makes a nice quick touch to find Kubo in space. He does. Right he before does. that. But yeah, it's again, it's... 
it's another one of those very FC Cincinnati goals. Yeah. Kubo dribbles, you know, forward, finds Bariel on the on the left side, and Bariel finds uh an onside yeah. Brandon Vasquez. <laughs> A very onside Brandon Vasquez, much to the uh the chagrin of every Chivas fan. He is indeed in front of the ball in this case. Uh both Bariel and uh and Vasquez are ahead of the last defender at that point. Offside doesn't really come into the equation here. It is it is free runners all the way, and Vasquez gets his hat trick. Got to feel good if you're Brandon Vasquez going up against the team that uh, low-balled you, try, trying to, to win your services and scoring the hat trick. Loved seeing the Chivas fans walk back. He's not worth that much money to, damn, we should have bought him. <laughs> yeah. It turns out you should have offered a little more money and this wouldn't have happened. Yeah, yeah, he he made him look silly there. Um, Immediately afterwards, as far as I can tell, Barry Allen Angulo got in the face of uh, one of the other uh, Mexican defenders there. They all got yellow cards for having a a big old disagreement. Good time to point out. Good good time to point out, though. This was Marco Angulo's best game for FC Cincinnati. Yeah. I think that he played a tremendous game. Um all over the field, tenacious on defense. And I think that it's an open question now as to whether or not he is the starter going forward in that position over Junior Moreno. Angulo has been really good for a while, I think, for like except for several games now, which is really good to see. And I would agree it's an open question. And I would go as far as to say it's at least situational. Yeah. Yeah. I think you trust... Moreno on the ball more and Angulo defensively more is how I would look at it. But then exactly how you deploy that's going to depend on if you're expecting more of the possession of the ball. But then FCC's never been necessarily possession minded. Uh, They don't mind breaking on the counter. So in that sense, maybe you want Angulo generally and then Moreno against really bad teams. So, yeah, it's interesting. he, this did play out. I will say, if you go way, way back and listen to our season preview with uh, Pat Brennan, asked if uh, Angulo would log more minutes than Moreno in the midfield, he said no, but that Angulo would win the job by the end of the year. And boy, does that look to be uh, <laughs> coming true as yep. we we enter the <laughs> the final stretch of the season. So, uh, the rest of this game, I will say, finishes without. Major incident. It was fairly boring. <laughs> I think. I think everybody was tired, and Chivas realized with that last goal, it was sort of done. Um, they did have a couple of of moments there towards the end, but Can was up to the job. Uh, is there anything else we want to talk about before we we go a little big picture with this game? So I just have like a little fun fact Please. about this game. So Brandon Vasquez, you know, plays against what we're constantly reminded is his childhood club. That tried to transfer him in last year. Yep. Um, he gets his first. Um, he gets his first uh, 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 hat trick of his career. The second FC Cincinnati player to get a hat trick. But another tie that was not mentioned, as far anywhere as far as I could know, I could see, is that two of the players who started for Chivas, Ricardo Marine and Fernando Beltran, 
appeared with Brandon Vasquez for the Mexico U16 national team in the 2014 Torneo de la Nazione, uh, in, in which they beat the United States two to one. Wow. And there is a picture around, around the internet. I'm not going to blow them up, but that you can find it of Brandon Vasquez of a very young Brandon Vasquez wearing a, uh, Mexican national team Jersey celebrating his victory over the U S um, <laughs> where in, in the post, he uses a Italian flag to celebrate uh, the Mexico national team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so would it be safe to say that Mexico is his other team? <laughs> it would be safe to say yes. Uh, this is how he ends up at Leon for six appearances. Or, or how he ends up as best friends with Landon Donovan, one or the yes. other. <laughs> Oh, my God. So a fantastic victory for FC Cincinnati sees them uh, win the group. We went from we shouldn't care about this tournament to we care about this tournament to, oh, my God, FC Cincinnati just won the group. Um, uh, Topping Chivas, everything to play for between Chivas and Sporting Kansas City. It is essentially win and you're in. On that one, there I don't believe there's any combination that gets uh, the loser of that out because the tiebreaker is head-to-head there. Uh, so it is everything to play for. That is happening on Monday night, and we will face, and Grayson, I'm going to put you on the spot here, some combination of Nashville, Toluca, or Colorado Rapids. What does that what does that situation look like there? Yeah, so here's the scenarios. So right now in that group... Um, Toluca is sitting in first place, uh, ahead of, well, ahead of Nashville on, on points per game and on, uh, beating them, but they both, Toluca and Nashville both have three points. Colorado has none. Nashville has played both their games. Toluca and Colorado play on the 31st and, uh, Toluca will get first place with a win or a PK win or a PK loss, or a loss by one goal while they score one or more. And Toluca, <laughs> and Toluca will get second place only with a zero to one loss to Colorado. Okay. And they will be eliminated if they lose by two or more goals to Colorado. Wow. This okay. is the true magic um, of the cup, going through <laughs> scenarios like this. And again, we play, we play whichever team finishes second, second in this right. group. So Nashville... Uh, we'll win the we'll win the group only with a one nothing Colorado win, um, and they'll be eliminated if Colorado wins by exactly one goal while scoring five or more goals. So <laughs> Colorado's got to win like five to four, six to five for for Nashville to be eliminated, um, and Colorado can only get second if they win by one goal while scoring five or more. So wow. it is almost certain that we will play Nashville. Okay. Um, which means we um, would host that game as the group winner. Yeah. If we were to somehow play, um, let's say Toluca or Colorado, and then Nashville was elsewhere in the bracket, mm-hmm. there would be the potential of... 
um, having to go to Nashville for the quarterfinals. Okay. But if Nashville does end up in second in this group, then we host until at least the semifinals. Wow. If we keep advancing. Because we have we have priority over everybody else in our little quadrant nice. um, of the bracket. Yeah, but, so but we wouldn't face that group until the quarterfinals because our yeah round of sixteen game. Very good chance it would be a hell is real or Club America. America. <laughs> um, it's gonna it's gonna be likely some combination of you know Club America or Columbus who play each other for for that group and then the other the other uh the other uh group that's involved with that game is um whoever um <clears throat> whoever wins out of the Chicago Minnesota Puebla okay group i don't i don't fear that group it's the Columbus no, yeah. America group right. that I'm a little nervous yeah. about. Whoever, the, yeah, <laughs> that's that would be my guess. Is it's, it would be either Club America or Columbus Crew in the round of sixteen. Yeah. Just to just to quickly recap, because I actually got a message about this, and it it isn't very clear how the hosting works is in this next round in the round of thirty two. If you won your group, you get to host. Uh, so that's very easy. Um, if it is a Mexican team that won the group, they have sort of pre-assigned neutral locations. They're just other MLS stadiums around the country that just make it easy for travel for the for the Mexican teams. From that point on, from the round of 16 all the way up to the semifinals, the hosting team is the MLS team that finished higher in the Supporter Shield rankings uh, last year. So pretty easy fc Cincinnati finished pretty high um so we have a pretty good chance of hosting a lot of those uh again for the mexican teams if they play an mls team they play at the mls stadium even if they are seated higher or whatever if two mexican teams play each other again they play at a sort of designated neutral site all of this goes to the final the final is played in las vegas so that is a well and true neutral site for this uh for this tournament i don't know that it's so, gonna be i don't know how neutral las vegas is gonna be <laughs> if an well, M- liga mx team makes the finals when it's uh charlotte versus minnesota in vegas and eight thousand people show up they'll have a oh. list <laughs> <laughs> this is when you'll truly see some match fixing is to avoid that kind of an outcome <laughs> right right um I, I do want to point this out. Uh, we could talk about some of this stuff later, but uh, Charlotte Cruz Azul, uh, you would assume Charlotte would host because they won their group. They they are playing this game at FC Dallas because Charlotte's NFL stadium is already pre-booked with a combination of the Panthers Fan Fest and a Beyonce concert. So what should have been a pretty awesome home field advantage and environment for Charlotte is going to turn into a Cruz Azul home game in a tiny stadium in Dallas. Yeah, it sucks <laughs> sucks not to have your own facility, Charlotte. Just yeah, you hate to see it. It's almost as if we were told we had to have our own facilities and couldn't share with an NFL team. Uh, anyway, uh, anything else on this game before we... We call it quits on this, on this it's section. Awesome. 
just cool. absolutely awesome top to bottom other than the lightning delay that blew but yeah yeah <laughs> that part sucked but hey overall you you love this game yeah and i don't know the tournament has has borne itself out uh so that's gonna do it for the game recap uh let's head on over to part two and we'll get you out of here All right, we're back. Part two. We're going to talk brief impressions of League's Cup. I promise we will do a sort of deeper dive and and a a more thorough survey of this tournament later this week. But I mean, we we haven't had a chance to talk about it thanks to the recording schedules. Uh, Chief, let me ask you this: what what has been your favorite part about the League's Cup so far? I think my favorite part of the League's Cup has just been the fact that everyone seems to be taking it seriously and that it's been soccer every night that you can go on. And this is this ties into a criticism of the way the Apple TV schedule has been, where it's, yeah, it's nice to know that your FC Cincinnati games all kick off mostly on Saturdays at 730. But I love that I can throw Apple TV on during the week, during the group stage of this and there was a match on most nights and not only a match on but a good match that was being taken seriously that was good quality content um i love that i also love that the league's cup has brought up matchups that you don't normally see uh the mm-hmm. liga mx fans and the games where there have been a fan base has been fun to watch it's been I don't know. I, I I think this tournament's been a big success so far. I'm just, like I said earlier, I'm curious why there are certain places where you'll flip it on and nobody is showing up at these games. And then there's other places where people are really excited about this. I, after watching this, I can't imagine not being excited to watch these games. Yeah. it It is weird that some of the home environments aren't as intense as they probably should be. But no, I, I'd agree with you. I think overall this has been successful and people are taking it seriously. Grace, and what's, I don't know, what, what's your big takeaway? What's what's the best part about this so far? Uh, the best part about it is uh, fans of Mexican teams coming up with, you know, excuses to cope with their teams <laughs> losing to MLS teams. Yeah. Or, um, <laughs> you know, but but really, I mean, I think it's, it was it was fun getting to play Chivas in a competitive match in TQL Stadium that t- both teams were taking seriously. Um, yeah, I, I I get the complaint about Mexican teams having to travel in the U.S. the whole time. Yeah, I don't really know how to remedy that unless you unless you put these games like through the season like yeah like open cup and ccl are because you're you know running back and forth between cincinnati and in guadalajara in a span of you know four days i don't know that that's a great alternative either um yeah i would like to see a way to get I, I wish I wish all of the games had the crowd atmosphere that some of them have had. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, 
like ours and you know for better or worse you know people were at least up for the messy games in miami um yeah st louis club america looked like a fun time yeah yeah right i guess the i guess the hope is that if you keep this tournament going that eventually some rivalries form that are cross-border rivalries and some of these games turn into things that people care more about i do agree with the point that i think we underestimated travel as a concern when we made our preview and we did our breakdown of this and it seems like it has impacted the Liga mx teams a little bit more and also i think the idea that like it's so close to the start of their season that they're getting a little bit of a taste of what it's like for mls teams in Concacaf champions league mm-hmm. where you know, yeah. the game is being played at a time when the teams just aren't as ready to play. I don't know that this Chivas FC Cincinnati match goes the same way if you play it in two months when they've had more time to, uh, in the Apertura, I think is where they're at right now on their schedule, Yeah, yeah. to, you know, get their team more up, ready to play, get their lineups and personnel figured out. So It'd be I fine. You- we would just we would just unleash Yerson Mascara on them. <laughs> yes. Yes. Unleash mascara. I uh I do I do have a solution for you. I don't, I'm curious if you guys are into this one. So how you would do this is you need to get to 48 teams. I think right now we have 45 teams across these leagues, and you need to get to 48. 47. We need 47 or we have, we have 47. 47. Oh, well, you just need one more, and that's San Diego, and then we're good. Uh, So at 48 teams, you can do 12 groups of four. And when you're at 12 groups, how you'd set it is you would just have the top four teams from the Mexican League, the top four teams from the Western Conference, and the top four teams from the Eastern Conference host all of the games. So you do the four-team World Cup tournament exactly as they do there, and that gets you, sure, neutral sites for all but one of the teams. They won the right to to be the host. And that gets you to a, I think, a round of 32 or maybe even directly to 16. I, I don't have it cleanly here. But that generates your, your knockout round at that point. Yeah, you could you could come up with some way to seed them um, in that way, and then just the seeded teams host, or you do well and truly a neutral site tournament the rest of the way i was really concerned about the three team groups yeah really concerned is overstating it but like it's a bad format like needing let's say like if chivas had beaten us in in regulation Mm -hmm. or beaten us in penalties or if they had beaten us in regulation they would have been through and we would have needed them to get a result of some kind against uh Sporting Kansas City, and yeah, that's totally out of your hands at that point. Yeah, and but whatever, it, it, irrelevant. Yeah, once they clinched it, yeah, sure, they they rest their guys. But I, I do think you could get to groups of four, and I think you could have Mexican teams hosting a third of those games, and then sorting out your neutral sites or hosting situation from there. I think that would be a little more fair. I think it'd be more fun that way. Uh, teams would be able to have a camp. You get more more games in uh, as well. But in general, yeah, I think this has been a huge success. This has been a ton of fun. Teams are taking it seriously. This is, I don't know. If I'm an MLS executive, I'm, I'm jazzed about how these first couple of games have gone. 
<laughs> I'm jazzed about how the games have gone, and I, I'm jazzed because I'm an FC Cincinnati fan. And this yeah. year in particular, any opportunity to watch my team play more, hell yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, I do criticisms and, and worries of what I've seen is, A, this tournament feels very out of sight, out of mind. Um, I just don't see a lot of people paying attention to it. I don't see a lot of people... Um, I don't see a lot of coverage in the traditional media sense of things. So if this is going to continue, I think they definitely need to find a way to break through and just get more people caring about this. And I, you know, Messi helped. I think yeah. that was the best possible thing that could have happened in terms of his debut for the yeah. league to get yeah. people like, oh, shit. <laughs> but it's just they have to. And we'll talk about this more when we do our bigger breakdown, I think. Um I just something to think about is like, what do you do to to bring this tournament out of in, into the public eye? Because it's just not there. I don't think. Yeah, I. This does feel like, and I know Apple loves their deal, and this was the whole point. But I do think this particular tournament would do well to have a simulcast on a cable provider, and depending on how these numbers go. Um, I could absolutely see some of these viewership numbers giving ESPN or Fox a second a second thought to be like, hey, maybe we do want Club America versus St. Louis. That actually would have been really nice to have on TV right. instead of, you know, baseball highlights or something. Right, or pickleball or whatever the right. fuck they're <laughs> trying to push on us right now. I right. don't know. So, Chief, we've got... Uh, Sunday night as we're recording and tomorrow with games. I'm going to throw a couple of games out here to you uh, as as sort of the, the games to watch. Tonight, uh, Monterey, Seattle, Tigres, San Jose. Uh, those are both late. I see those as being the best ones. And tomorrow, Chivas sporting Kansas City, sure. But the one I think everybody should watch because essentially the loser will be opposite us. Not the first game, but could be the second game if we advance past our first game. Club America, easily the biggest club in Mexico, versus the Columbus Crew. Who do you got in that one? <laughs> I'm never going to root for Columbus. That's the and spirit. I'm, and I'm never going to root against America. Be unpatriotic <laughs> to do otherwise. So this is the easiest decision. This is this this wouldn't even rate a five thousand page big book of questions. I'm rooting for America. <laughs> what other option is there? I don't want to play America, but like I'm rooting for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. The club kind of sort of named after Christopher Columbus. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he wasn't he was much like Christopher Columbus he they they weren't intending it to be this way either so <laughs> Oh, God. Well, yeah, like I said, uh, later this week, we will do a little a little deeper dive into the League's Cup, uh, what it's meant, storylines that have come out, et cetera, et cetera. But in the meantime, fuck Columbus. Go America.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cincy Postcast, which is a production of The Post Cincy. You can check us out at thepostcincy.com for all of our written content as well as links to our social media. You can follow us on Twitter and as well you can join us on our Discord server. You can find links to that server both in this episode description as well as on our website. That is where most of our conversations are going on. We have a lovely community there talking about FC Cincinnati, MLS, anything and everything else and everything in between. We also want to give a huge thanks to Jim Trace and the Makers for providing all of the music you've heard throughout this episode. They're an amazing local Cincinnati band. Again, more information about them is in the description of this episode. And if you enjoyed what you listened to, You've made it to the end, so I'm going to assume you liked it or you just can't reach your stop button. Please like us, review us, subscribe to us wherever you are getting your podcasts. That is going to be really, really helpful. But more importantly, share this with a friend. A personal recommendation helps sped a podcast so much further. So please share this if you know somebody in your life who's an FC Cincinnati fan, an MLS fan, somebody that you think would enjoy this pass it on over. Thank you so, so much again for listening. It blows me away that people continue to listen to us. And thank you so, so much again.